Section five of Celebrated Crimes, Volume four, Part three, by Alexander Dumas. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Celebrated Crimes, Volume four, Part three, by Alexander Dumas. Section five. The fisherman wiped away a burning tear. One day before we were born, a fine lady, richly dressed, landed in our island from a splendid boat. She asked to see my mother, who was as young and as beautiful as my Nasida is today. She could not cease from admiring her. She blamed the blindness of fate which had buried this lovely jewel in the bosom of an obscure island. She showered praises, caresses, and gifts upon my mother, and after many indirect speeches, finally asked her parents for her, that she might take her, her lady-in-waiting. The poor people, foreseeing in the protection of so great a lady a brilliant future for their daughter, were weak enough to yield. That lady was your mother, and do you know why she came thus to seek that poor innocent maiden? Because your mother had a lover, and because she wished to make sure, in this infamous manner, of the prince's indulgence silence wretch oh your excellency will hear me out at the beginning my poor mother found herself surrounded by the tenderest care the princess could not be parted from her for a moment the most flattering words the finest clothes the richest ornaments were hers the servants paid her as much respect as though she were a daughter of the house when her parents went to see her and to inquire whether she did not at all regret having left them they found her so lovely and so happy that they blessed the princess as a good angel sent them from god then the prince conceived a remarkable affection for my mother little by little his manners became more familiar and affectionate at last the princess went away for a few days regretting that she could not take with her her dear child as she called her then the prince's brutality knew no further barriers he no longer concealed his shameful plans of seduction he spread before the poor girl's eyes pearl necklaces and caskets of diamonds he passed from the most glowing passion to the blackest fury from the humblest prayers to the most horrible threats the poor child was shut up in a cellar where there was hardly a gleam of daylight and every morning a frightful jailer came and threw her a bit of black bread repeating with oaths that it only depended upon herself to alter all this by becoming the prince's mistress this cruelty continued for two years the princess had gone on a long journey and my mother's poor parents believed that their daughter was still happy with their protectress. On her return, having no doubt fresh sins for which she needed forgiveness, she took my mother from her dungeon, assumed the liveliest indignation at this horrible treatment, about which she appeared to have known nothing, wiped her tears, and by an abominable refinement of perfidy, received the thanks of the victim whom she was about to sacrifice one evening i have just finished my lord the princess chose to sup alone with her lady-in-waiting the rarest fruits the most exquisite dishes 
and the most delicate wines were served to my poor mother. She gave way to a morbid gaiety. Diabolical filters were poured into her cup. That is another tradition in your family. My mother felt uplifted. Her eyes shone with feverish brilliance. Her cheeks were on fire. Then the prince came in. Oh, your excellency will see that God protects the poor. My darling mother, like a frightened dove, sheltered herself in the bosom of the princess, who pushed her away laughing. The poor distraught girl, trembling, weeping, knelt down in the midst of that infamous room. It was St. Anne's Day. All at once the house shook, the walls cracked, cries of distress rang out in the streets. My mother was saved. It was the earthquake that destroyed half Naples. You know all about it, my lord, since your old palace is no longer habitable. What are you driving at? cried Brancaleone in terrible agitation. Oh, I merely wish to persuade you that you must fight with me, answered the fisherman coldly, as he offered him a cartridge. And now, he added, in an excited tone, say your prayers, my lord, for I warn you, you will die by my hand. Justice must be done. The prince carefully examined the powder and shot, made sure that his rifle was in good condition, loaded it, and eager to make an end, took aim at the fisherman. But either because he had been so much disturbed by his opponent's terrible tale, or because the grass was wet from the storm, at the moment when he put forward his left foot to steady his shot, he slipped, lost his balance, and fell on one knee. He fired into the air. "'That does not count, my lord,' cried Gabriel instantly, and handed him a second charge. At the noise of the report, Solomon had appeared at the window, and, understanding what was going on, had lifted his hands to heaven in order to address to God a dumb and fervent prayer. Elegy uttered a frightful imprecation, and hastily reloaded his rifle, but struck by the calm confidence of the young man, who stood motionless before him, and by the old man, who, impassive and undisturbed, seemed to be conjuring God in the name of a father's authority, disconcerted by his fall, his knees shaking and his arm jarred, he felt the chills of death running in his veins. Attempting, nevertheless, to master his emotion, he took aim a second time. The bullet whistled by the fisherman's ear, and buried itself in the stem of a poplar. The prince, with the energy of despair, seized the barrel of his weapon in both hands, but Gabriel was coming forward with his axe, a terrible foe, and his first stroke carried away the butt of the rifle. He was still hesitating, however, to kill a defenceless man, when two armed servants appeared at the end of the pathway. Gabriel did not see them coming, but at the moment when they would have seized him by the shoulders, Solomon uttered a cry and rushed to his son's assistance. Help, Numa! Help, Bonnaroo! Death to the ruffians! They want to murder me! You lie, Prince of Brancaleone, cried Gabriel, and with one blow of the axe he cleft his skull. The two bravos who were coming to their master's assistance, when they saw him fall, took flight. Solomon and his son went up to Nasida's room. The young girl had just shaken off her heavy slumber. 
a slight perspiration moistened her brow and she opened her eyes slowly to the dawning day why are you looking at me in that way father she said her mind still wandering a little and she passed her hand over her forehead the old man embraced her tenderly you have just passed through a great danger my poor nisida said he arise and let us give thanks to the madonna then all three kneeling before the sacred image of the virgin began to recite litanies but at that very instant a noise of arms sounded in the enclosure the house was surrounded by soldiers and a lieutenant of gendarmes seizing gabriel said in a loud voice in the name of the lord i arrest you for the murder that you have just committed upon the person of his excellency and illustrious lordship the prince of brancaleone nisida struck by these words remained pale and motionless like a marble statue kneeling on a tomb gabriel was already preparing to make an unreasoning resistance when a gesture from his father stopped him signor tenente said the old man addressing himself to the officer my son killed the prince in lawful defence for the latter had scaled our house and made his way in at night and with arms in his hand the proofs are before your eyes here is a ladder set up against the window and here he proceeded picking up the two pieces of the broken blade is a dagger with the brancaleone arms however we do not refuse to follow you the last words of the fisherman were drowned by cries of down with the spirit down with the gendarmes which were repeated in every direction the whole island was up in arms and the fisher folk would have suffered themselves to be cut up to the last man before allowing a single hair of solomon or of his son to be touched but the old man appeared upon his threshold and stretching out his arm with a calm and grave movement that quieted the anger of the crowd he said thanks my children the law must be respected i shall be able alone to defend the innocence of my son before the judges hardly three months have elapsed since the day upon which we first beheld the old fisherman of nisida sitting before the door of his dwelling irradiated by all the happiness that he had succeeded in creating around him reigning like a king on his throne of rock and blessing his two children the most beautiful creatures in the island now the whole existence of this man who was once so happy and so much envied is changed the smiling cottage that hung over the gulf like a swan over a transparent lake is sad and desolate the little enclosure with its hedges of lilac and hawthorn where joyous groups used to come and sit at the close of day is silent and deserted no human sound dares to trouble the morning of this saddened solitude only towards evening the waves of the sea compassionating such great misfortunes come to murmur plaintive notes upon the beach gabriel has been condemned the news of the high-born prince of brancaleone's death so young so handsome and so universally adored not only fluttered the aristocracy of naples but excited profound indignation in all classes of people he was mourned by everybody and a unanimous cry for vengeance was raised against the murderer the authorities opened the inquiry with alarming promptness the magistrates whom their office called to judge 
this deplorable affair displayed however the most irreproachable integrity no consideration outside their duty no deference due to so noble and powerful a family could shake the convictions of their conscience history has kept a record of this memorable trial and has no reproach to make to men which does not apply equally to the imperfection of human laws the appearance of things that fatal contradiction which the genius of evil so often here on earth gives to truth overwhelmed the poor fisherman with the most evident proofs trespelow in whom fear had destroyed all scruples being first examined as having been the young prince's confidant declared with cool impudence that his master having shown a wish to escape for a few days from the importunities of a young married lady whose passion was beginning to tire him had followed him to the island with three or four of his most faithful servants and that he himself had adopted the disguise of a pilgrim not wishing to betray his excellency's incognito to the fisher-people who would certainly have tormented so powerful a person by all sorts of petitions two local watchmen who had happened to be on the hillside at the moment of the crime gave evidence that confirmed the valet's lengthy statement hidden by some underwood they had seen gabriel rush upon the prince and had distinctly heard the last words of the dying man calling murder all the witnesses even those summoned at the request of the prisoner made his case worse by their statements which they tried to make favourable thus the court with its usual perpicacity and its infallible certainty succeeded in establishing the fact that prince elijah of brancaleone having taken a temporary dislike to town life had retired to the little island of Nisida, there to give himself up peaceably to the pleasure of fishing for which he had at all times had a particular predilection a proof appeared among the documents of the case that the prince had regularly been present every other year at the tunny fishing on his property at palermo that when once he was thus hidden in the island gabriel might have recognised him having gone with his sister to the procession a few days before and had no doubt planned to murder him on the day before the night of the crime the absence of gabriel and the discomposure of his father and sister had been remarked towards evening the prince had dismissed his servant and gone out alone as his custom was to walk by the seashore surprised by the storm and not knowing the byways of the island he had wandered round the fisherman's house seeking a shelter then gabriel encouraged by the darkness and by the noise of the tempest which seemed likely to cover the cries of his victim had after prolonged hesitation resolved to commit his crime and having fired two shots at the unfortunate young man without succeeding in wounding him had put an end to him by blows of the axe lastly at the moment when with solomon's assistance he was about to throw the body into the sea the prince's servants having appeared they had gone up to the girl's room and inventing their absurd tale had cast themselves on their knees before the virgin in order to mislead the authorities all the circumstances that poor solomon cited in his son's favour turned against him the ladder at nisida's window belonged to the fisherman the dagger which young brancaleone 
always carried upon him to defend himself had evidently been taken from him after his death and gabriel had hastened to break it so as to destroy to the best of his power the traces of his crime bastiano's evidence did not receive a minute's consideration he to destroy the idea of premeditation declared that the young fisherman had left him only at the moment when the storm broke over the island but in the first place the young diver was known to be gabriel's most devoted friend and his sister's warmest admirer and in the second he had been seen to land at torre during the same hour in which he had affirmed that he was near to Nacida. as for the prince's passion for the poor peasant girl the magistrates simply shrugged their shoulders at the ridiculous assertion of that and especially at the young girl's alleged resistance and the extreme measures to which the prince was supposed to have resorted to conquer the virtue of Nisida. elegy of brancaleone was so young so handsome so seductive and at the same time so cool amid his successes that he had never been suspected of violence except in getting rid of his mistresses finally an overwhelming and unanswerable proof overthrew all the arguments for the defence under the fisherman's bed had been found a purse with the brancaleone arms full of gold the purse which if our readers remember the prince had flung as a last insult at gabriel's feet End of section five